We, uh, we used to think that some things were right and some things were wrong. We used to believe in uh, the existence of uh, objective truth and some time ago relativism and postmodernism came in uh, and that was the idea that there's nothing that's actually absolutely right or objectively right and objectively wrong. Everyone can just have their own truth, uh, the things that are true for them. You might have heard that said around the place. It's the big idea that there isn't any overarching truth that sits over the top of uh, everything. One of, the, uh, one of the things that this did, this philosophical shift, one of the things it did is it actually stifled debate because you can't have debate anymore about what's true and not what's not true because everyone's got their own truth and they're kind of siloed in those opinions. Um, and so what you found is uh, humanity and our society, our culture didn't wrestle with things, at least at a popular level, didn't wrestle with things as much anymore because they got siloed in their own opinions. Um, I have my opinion, you have yours, and never the twain do they meet. Um, but the problem with this is that not all opinions are equal. Not everyone's ideas are actually equal, and we know this. And so the question becomes, like, if um, all ideas are not equal and everyone can have their own truth, how do you have a conversation about that? Well, the answer is you don't. What happens is you end up pitting one person against another. In, in some ways, it actually becomes far more personal than what it ever used to be because now it's you are a bad person because of your bad idea rather than actually engaging the idea. Now, I'm obviously not talking about academia. I think in academia, there's still space for these kind of debates and these kind of wrestles. What I'm talking about is street level. I'm talking about social media, the way people talk to each other, the way people talk about each other. And, and in a lot of ways, this um, collision of ideas, this collision of people has become like the Roman Colosseum with the gladiators, isn't it? Like it kind of becomes a, a fight to the death and, and we slice and dice people. It's not really a fight of ideas as much anymore. It's a fight between people. And it gets really, really personal. There's always been a tendency in humanity for people to get personal and to get judgmental toward one another. This has been around since the, uh, the, the onset of sin. But I think it's gone to a whole other level in our culture. Um, we have haters and trolls. That's who we have. We have haters and trolls. Uh, a hater is a person who writes unpleasant things about someone or criticises their achievements. We get after each other. Um, and they're faceless people. There's faceless people. They're faceless people that get around enjoying and delighting in tearing down other people's opinions. Anyone who steps outside of the group think is a target. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? That's how it rolls. They devour other people like vultures on a carcass. They just get in there and they just devour them. And we've written songs about it. And I've never quoted Taylor Swift before, but today might be a good day. I did think about getting Jaden up to sing the song because he, he likes to sing a bit when he preaches. Yeah, he's, he, he wishes he had a paintball gun right now. <laughs> Most of you probably know this song. And the haters going to hate, 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 hate. Maybe I'm just going to shake it off. 
There you go. You're all smiling because I'm quoting Taylor Smith. Taylor Swift. People have opinions about each other all over the place. And while there's ways that our culture and technology actually supercharge this, this is actually not new. It's been around for a long time. Paul in the book of Galatians, um, listen, listen to what he says. This is Galatians 5 verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. This is not new. It's not new for humanity. And it's not new, unfortunately, for the church. This stuff has been happening for a long time. And I think it's a good opportunity for us this morning to consider for a moment, what do you say about other people? What do you say? What do you say to other people about other people? How do you talk about them? Have you, I mean, seriously, like if we were just humble enough at this point in time, we would just say, look, we live in a culture that gets off on this sort of stuff. And you just better believe that we're living in it. This is the fish bowl that we're swimming in you know we we would take on some of this just by nature of being in it now what kind of talking about others does God want to be going on in the church back in James 3 we looked at the tongue and how powerful the tongue can be and today we're just going to drill down a little bit more we're just going to do two verses today right so I'm not going to pull a hammy today um, but we're going to do two verses today, and it's all about the way that we talk about other people. So if you'd like to turn to James chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. James 4, 11 and 12. All right. James 4, starting verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. That can be translated brothers and sisters. And it is in the NIV. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges of the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbour? All right, we're going to unpack that today. Here's the three things we're going to look at. We're going to look at the talk, the problem, and the alternative. Let's start with the talk. This is verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother uh, judges his brother. Now, we need to just hang out here for a little bit and consider what James is talking about. What is the kind of speech that James is talking about? Well, one way you could understand it you can understand it as slander. And in fact, one of the words, the Greek words there is translated in the NIV as slander. Um, now, sl- it certainly includes slander. And you better believe we just live in a day of slander. That's what we live in. Uh, slander is when uh, something false is said of someone for the purpose of damaging their reputation. And it doesn't have to be entirely false. It just could be partially false. Um, you know, there's a, there's a part of this slander thing that's kind of base level, like just be really careful because the, the commandments talk about uh, not bearing false witness against each other. You know, if you've ever said something and you've exaggerated it or you've added something in there to have some kind of damaging effect on someone's reputation, you've been guilty of lying at the very least. But if you go back to Leviticus 19, you actually find out that there's... Um, a law there and it goes like this you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor I am the Lord 
You want Peter's translation of that? Don't go and make stuff up to hurt someone else's reputation. Don't go against people. You've got to back them. <laughs> back people. Back your neighbour. Back your brother. Back your sister. That's what you need to do. But you go back to James chapter 4, and James is not just talking about slander. And he's not just talking about gossip. I mean, these are kind of low-level things that get talked about in church a fair bit. It's like slander, gossip. We can go to all the Proverbs and all that sort of stuff about it. Um, his idea, the idea that James is talking about is way broader than gossip or slander. It is any, hear this, it is any speaking against a brother or sister. Any. You've got to feel the weight of that a little bit, right? Because sometimes we kind of hide in the, but I'm telling the truth, that's what actually happened. And James would say, you need to stop. You are not to speak against your brother or sister, ever. What's, what's the issue? The issue is actually the intent. So you could even say something that's true with the intent of damaging your brother or sister. And James would say, stop. Stop doing that. It's defaming. It's denigrating. It's murderous in its intent. It's demonic. I mean, that's what the devil's all about. He's a murderer from the very beginning. And you better believe that when you speak against someone, one of the things you're trying to do is you're trying to kill them. It isn't about life. It's about destruction. We get on a high horse and we become the judge of other people, and we get judgmental. Now, I want to just show you a couple of examples in the Old Testament of people speaking against other people. Now, I read a commentator this week, and this commentator made this comment. Um, The commentator said, The Old Testament denounces evil speaking, both against God and other people, more often than any other offence. That's what this commentator said about... Uh, the Old Testament. Let me give you a couple. Numbers 21, verse 4 to 5. This is the uh, Israelites wandering around in the wilderness. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the people became impatient on the way and the people spoke, listen to this, against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and we loathe this worthless food. Now, they've said it to them, but how much did they say it amongst each other before they even got there? And imagine this kind of mess. You've got well over a million people, probably, and they're all complaining, they're all impatient, and they're all probably overwhelmingly, I shouldn't say all, um, there may have been some that weren't, but you could expect well over half of them are speaking against Moses and speaking against God this one here this next one is probably the the one that freaks me out a bit and you'll see why um, numbers 12 1 to 2 Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married for he had married a Cushite woman there's no problem with that um, and they said has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses has he not spoken through us? Now, listen, look at the chilling last five words. 
and the Lord heard it. Speaking against other people is serious, even if what you're saying is true. What does it look like? What does it look like for us? Well, it looks like talking to other people uh, in a nutshell. Um, But the problem is that when we talk to other people about other people, um, we're not just having a conversation with them most of the time. We're, We're trying to persuade them. We're kind of evangelists. It's like you need to agree with me about this other person because this other person is a bad, bad person. And so we talk to them. When we talk this way, we talk to them. It's like I just want to get you on my side so that we can condemn this guilty, evil person. And the reality is that everyone's an evangelist for their point of view. We all are. Something happens to you and what do you do? You go and talk to someone. It's not enough to just tell someone about a situation that happened to you, you actually most of the time want to get the other person on board. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, I want you to be on board with me. I want you to be with me. And so there's an, an evangelism part of that. And what happens is we end up muddying the waters with other people. How can we do this? Well, we can just share some prayer points. <laughs> True? Just sharing some prayer points about how much of an idiot my brother is and how we need to pray for him. Uh, this one, I reckon I've done this one before. Um, you know, you're just fine caring for them, but you're just going, oh, it's sweet that they're falling flat on their face. And you, there's a little bit of that going on when you talk about them. Gossip. Needing to talk to everyone about our hurt that happened. I, I think when you get hurt, you need to talk to some people. You need to get some wisdom. But you better pick the people that you go and talk to. And they better be people that can handle the strength of what's going on inside of you and, uh, and not be kind of suckered into seeing things exactly the way that you see them. You need people who can speak into you, who can cut across you. I'm not saying that you can't go and talk to people. I'm just saying that when you go and tell everyone about it, I think you're probably on shaky ground. And any time you're complaining or grumbling about someone, you probably just want to be on your guard with this particular area. Well... That's the first bit. Second bit's this. What, what actually is the problem? Come back with me and have a look at James 4, verse 11 to 12. The one who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's a problem here. What is our proper place under the law? What law? Well... At the very least, the Mosaic law from the Old Testament. But he's probably, James, he's probably talking about the law that was fulfilled in Jesus. Now, we could go back to Leviticus chapter 19 and look at the bit about slander and look about the bit about loving your neighbour as you love yourself. But the simplest way for us to go at this point in time is just to go to Jesus. And, and that's always the best way to go to Jesus. And we could just go to Matthew twenty. 2 verse 37 where Jesus summarizes the commandments in these love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments this is our job our job is to submit to the things that God tells us because God always tells us things that are going to be good you with me always so we can we can trust him 
with that. And here's the bottom line. When we decide, and I'm explaining the bits out of uh, James 4, 11 or 12 here. When we decide that we're not going to do what God's asked us to do, we've stepped out from under the law and we've become a judge who's over it. And we sit in judgment of our brother and sister. Let me give you an example. Um, let's just take the second half of what Jesus said there. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. Do you always do it? Now, everyone in this room ought to say, no. No, I don't. And I would ask, and I don't mean to be rude about it, so um, please forgive me if this feels a bit rude, but it's like, why, why not? Why don't you do it? Why, why the exceptions? And do you know what the answer would be? Probably for all of us? Well, it's just sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes I think it's not the best thing to do. Do you see what's going on there? Like at that point in time, we're not under it. We're actually going over the top of the law and we're saying, no, we're an exception to it. And we can, we can decide um, what to do. You know, let me just push this a little bit further. Um, have you ever spoken against your brother or sister? Like literal family or spiritual family? Have you ever done it? Why'd you do it? Did you treat them the way that you want to be treated? I mean, I bet you you do not get up in the morning and go, man, my day is going to rock. It's just a whole bunch of judgmental people come along and just judge me today. Like, let's just have more of that. I didn't have enough of that yesterday. You know, it's like fruit and vegetables. I just, I've got to have some more of this beautiful, nutritious community around me of people judging me and getting into me. You know, it's like, man, I, I got up today and, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. And I, I, Someone needs to take me down a peg or two, all right? They, uh, someone needs to notice uh, that my hair looks weird today. And uh, sometimes with my sons, I look at them and I just go, your hair is trying to escape from your head, you know, in the morning. It's like a bad hair day. It's like you, you go out and it's like, I just, I need people to notice that my hair looks weird and to conclude that I'm a bad person. Like, who does that? Um, who, who goes out in the, in the morning and just goes, yeah, look, all right, my slander quota is, I'm way short. So can you guys just come and just give it to me today? Someone say something publicly about me online, on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, I hope today that when I get out there, I just find out there's a whole bunch of gossip going on about me. Like, I, I just, I'd love to have that. And in particular, I'd love to only just find out a little bit of it and then someone tell me that there's a whole bunch more going on that I don't know about. That stuff rocks. That's like, that's like fibre, you know, to your stomach, you know. It just, it makes things roll. It's like... No one does this, do they? Like this is, do you want that? Like if you do want that, we, you, you might need some pastoral counselling. And we'd love to help you with that. No one wants that. This is what Jesus is saying. If you love yourself like that, love your neighbour like that, do you want others to believe the worst about you rather than the best? You see what happens when we take ourselves out from under the law, we make ourselves an exception to the law. And it's like 
the classic, you know when kids play a game and one of them complains, and I'm sure you've heard this heaps of times and you've probably said this statement yourself, you, you go, you are just making the rules up as you go. That, I think that's what James is talking about. You are making the rules up as you go. You're not under the law to love other people. You put yourself over it. You've said that that rule doesn't apply to you and that it's not very good and you've made yourself an exception to it. Now, what's the problem with this? Well, there's a massive problem with it. (laughs) And the problem is, according to James, is that there already is a judge and he's sitting in the seat and there's no vacancy. There is no vacancy for you. It's not like God went to the toilet and you're just going to sneak up in there and sit on his chair for a while, right? Or you had to go and make a cuppa or something in the, in the kitchen. He sits in the judge's seat and he's the one, he's the one that's in charge. That's what James says in James 4 verse 12. There's only one lawgiver and one judge and he's able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbour? doesn't work. Getting in God's seat doesn't work. And I want you to hear this, and I think this is critical in, uh, in what James is talking about here, is God is the only one who's licensed to determine someone else's destiny. I think that's what James is saying. And when we speak against another brother or sister, you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to steer and make their destiny go where we want it to go. So in a nutshell, this is what the problem is. The problem with what we say and the judgment we make has to do with the position we put ourselves in and the intention behind our words. All right. What's the alternative? What is the alternative? Well, let me give you a, uh, a quick summary uh, statement about where we've gotten to so far. Here's the first one. What James is talking about here is any talk that's aimed at staining or condemning others with a view to controlling their destiny. I think that's what James is on about. And this is the freaky thing about this whole stuff that James is talking about is we've actually become the judge. We've become the one that, uh, that thinks that we're the arbiter for someone else's destiny and we get to work condemning it. James is going, we don't want any of that. We don't want any of that at all. What's the other option? Oh, this is so good. The other option? Any talk aimed at supporting and encouraging people in their God-given destiny. You see that? So, this is exciting. Our judgment is about the destination. Instead, God wants us to submit to him and in love work for the destiny of other people, not against it. That's what he wants. Now, some of you at this point in time just go, might be going, well, maybe I'll just say nothing. It's like, no, you should be saying a lot. You actually should be saying a lot. And there are a lot of things that can be said that support this second statement, that support where God is taking other people. Encouragement. I've never had someone come into my office from the project in nine and a half years 
and just say, Pete, I just I need some pastoral care. Can you just help me? Like, seriously, too many people encourage me. <laughs> Doesn't happen. It's never happened. Not even once. I don't think, I don't think you need to be careful. There's a bit of a difference between encouragement and praise. Encouragement is about helping someone to go forward into something. Praise is kind of, it's a little bit more dangerous. But encouragement, when you're just helping someone to go forward and giving them courage to go forward, well, you never get enough of that. Who knows what I'm talking about? See, that means you can put your hand up. Yeah, okay, all right, you're still alive. You're still alive. Uh, here's, all right, here's, um, here's a few sayings, things you could say to encourage people. Um, I'm backing you. I'm backing you in. <laughs> I reckon you're going to smoke it, not in a dodgy way, but you're going to smoke it. You've got it. You and God, you're all over it. You're going to get this thing done. What other things could we say to each other? Well, we can remind people about things. We can teach people things. We can correct. I mean, there's so many, there's so many types of speech in the scriptures that we can get into that are really helpful. And, and the question, I think, it's up on the screen there, is uh, does your speech help others to get where God wants them to go? Or is your speech about getting others to where you want them to go? You are not the master of their destiny. You are there to serve their destiny. That's what you're there for. You are there to serve their destiny. And the question you need to be asking is like, um, how will it help them to become the kind of person God wants them to be? And how will it be loving to say that to them? And so a good thing for you to be mulling over underneath is like, right, now, what can I say? You're going to get a chance to do this later on and everyone's going to be mic'd up. No, I'm kidding, all right? We can't even do that. We don't have that many mics. We're not going to mic you up, all right? Um, you, you could just be sitting around praying and thinking about people that you know in the project and people around you and just be going, what, what does God want for them and what could I say to them to help them to get there? That would be a, a, a good question. Now, for some of you, you just go, yeah, right, Nice generalizations, Pete, you know, and we just, yeah, just get in and say some cool stuff. Is that what you're saying? Well, I want to give you a little bit more clarity on this um, because I reckon the best verse in the Bible, and I'm going to put it on the screen in a minute so you don't need to look it up, but the best verse in the Bible to guide the way that you speak to other people is Ephesians 4.29. Now, I always used to think Ephesians 4.29 was about swearing because it says don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouths right? Um, and that was a thing in our household. I remember one day I said bull and my sister said, oh, you just swore I'm going to go and tell mum and dad. It's like, and then it's like, you know, I'm going to hell at that point in time because I said bull. And I, and I thought that was the kind of thing these scriptures were talking about. But Ephesians 4.29 is a marvelously helpful verse that gives us some criteria to, to think through the way that we talk to other people. And I just wanted to dip in here just for a minute. Here's the first bit. Let no corrupting talk. Now, what's corrupting talk? Well, it's just stuff that wrecks stuff. Like, don't let words come out that just wreck stuff. Right? Just, just stop those words coming out. But then Paul gives three criteria or three categories to guide the way that you say things to people. Here's the first thing. It needs to build. 
It's got to build. It's got to be constructive. Just because something is true doesn't mean you should say it. Because <laughs> it needs to build. Um, it needs to be helpful. There are many true things that can be said for the purpose of destruction. What's your intent in saying it? Now, this is critical. One of the things, one of the core values for the Project Church is transparency and openness. All right? But I just want to say to you this morning, not for its own sake, and it's not open slather. It needs to be tempted by the, tempered, tempted. It needs to be tempered by this reality. It's like you could say something that's on your heart that you're feeling, but is it going to help anyone? Is it going to build? Because if it's not going to build, you probably shouldn't say it to them. It must be constructive. Here's the second bit. Only such as is good for building as fits the occasion. And this is the question. Is it timely? Is it timely? Have you... Have you ever had that experience where uh, someone has said something and they've said it at precisely the right time and it's precisely the right words? Have you had that experience? Is there anything sweeter than that? It's Proverbs 15.23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season. Does anyone know this one? How good it is. So here's my encouragement for you. If if you've ever been in the presence of someone who's spoken a word in season and you've gone, "Mm, that is good, you should just tell them. You just go, that that was good. That was, you just, right on. We also know that there's times in terms of fitting words where it doesn't fit. You know, and, and maybe there's even times where you go, this thing that I need to say needs to be said, but now is not the right time. And I think that's good. If you think like that, that's good. And I would encourage you, just keep being discerning about whether it's a good fit for the moment. This is what Paul wants you to do. The last one there, last category there, that it may give grace to those who hear, really means it needs to be a gift, not a letter bomb. Okay, a gift. And, and I, I just think, in your heart, if you've... This is probably the one, I think, if you had this one right, you'd probably get the other two right. If in your heart you're just going, oh, I just really want to... Whatever I say, I want it to be a gift to the person that I say. You'll probably be... Okay, see, we want the things that we say to minister kindness, goodwill and favour to people. Now... If it doesn't fit these three and you can't think of anything that does, what do you reckon you should do? Not say anything. <laughs> and this is the old parents' proverb, isn't it? If you, can't, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Now... There's some truth in it, right? But let's just be honest, that's a pretty low bar, isn't it? Isn't that a low bar? I mean, it's, it's saying something pretty potent about the individual themselves because who knows that even in the darkest of situations, there's always a bunch of good things that you could say. Is that true? 
So to have to revert to say nothing at all is kind of a bit sad. Is anyone with me? So just find something. Like it's anything. Oh, your shoes are nice. I don't know. Like you could say something. All right, here's where I want to finish, and I'm going to finish pretty soon. I just want to, I'm going to do a, a three-question Q&A, which is me asking the questions and me answering them. So it's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be really good. Just to mop a couple of things up. Um, and then I have an activity for you to do. Isn't this cool? Sounds like a promise girl, doesn't it? There's an activity. We're going to bring in some craft. And I'm kidding, all right? If you're new here today, we don't do craft in church. Here's the uh, first one. Uh, what if there are hard things to say? Well, I don't think James or Paul are saying that you can't have hard conversations. We need to have a hard conversation. Stuff happens. It's, but notice with me for a minute, just on this particular one, the problem that James is getting at is intent. That's what he's getting at. He's not getting at content, he's getting at intent. What are you trying to do with the content? You can have a hard conversation with someone where you are side by side with them trying to work something out for good, can't you? This is the the essence of reconciliation, what Jesus talks about in Matthew. You know, if your brother sins against you, go and talk to him about it. Go and have the hard conversation. Can you do a hard conversation that builds up, fits the moment and ministers grace? 100%. Every time. That is not impossible. So hard conversations are not sidelined by uh, what I'm saying or what James is saying today. This one here, I just want to speak to this one uh, quickly. Uh, What if I disagree with someone? Now, I was going to go with two, just disagree with anyone else and then disagree with someone in authority. Uh, As I said a number of weeks ago, uh, you already disagree with other people and they disagree with you and if you don't know that, Uh, It's probably a nice world that you're living in, but it's not actually the real one. Uh, And you should come and join the rest of us sometime. Um, Because everyone just has disagreements about stuff. That that happens. Um, What if I've tried to work it out and I haven't been able to? That's kind of the the question here. I mean, and at that point in time, I, I think if you've had the conversation and you've being gracious about that and you've gone after it and you still disagree at the end of it or you're probably like I said like most of the rest of the world and then you've just got to work out how you're actually going to relate to them in the presence of that disagreement let me uh, just speak really quickly to um, the issue of disagreeing with someone in authority I think that you need to be really careful with this one Um, because you, you, you could be wrong like, you could have a position on something and you just could be wrong. You just don't, you don't see it the way that you need to see it. I tell you, as someone in uh, authority um, in the church here, and I'm speaking for organisations generally, they just see a lot more things than people within the machine kind of see. They just do. Um, and so while you might actually think that you've, you're across like three or four details, they're probably across 14 details and they're making a decision that fits in with the 14 details they know rather than the three or four that you know so all of that just to say like just my encouragement to you is just 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 be careful when you disagree with someone in authority whether it's your boss at work 
or, uh, or some, a leader at church. You just want to be careful about that. The other thing that I would just, um, just caution you on, and I was really helped by when we're doing a um, series on the church. I can't even remember. Was that this year? Did we do that this year? We did. Excellent. Um, yeah, I preached it, so I don't know, I don't know what that means. Um, but um, in the series on the church, I, I, uh, I watched a, um, I listened to a talk by Mark Deva on the church, and someone got up in a Q&A, and, he's, and Mark Deva said something I'd never thought of before, and I just thought, that is, that is really, really good. person gets up in the Q&A, he goes, I'm at a church, they've got, their theology is really dodgy, they've got a whole bunch of dodgy things going on, I'm just a rank and file member, should I stay there and help to bring about change in the church? You know what he said to him? He goes, I think you should leave. You should leave the church. And the reason why he said that, and he gave this reason, I thought that is incredibly wise. He said that if you stay in the church and you try to bring about change as a congregational member, you're actually going against the way that God's ordained for the church to be run. So your intention's good and your want to square up some theology is good, but the way that you're going about it is actually going to be contrary to the way that God's ordained for the church to run. Do you, do you see that? And I thought, well, that is really wise. You know, I, now there's not, I'm not saying that you can't say things, I'm not saying that you can't have conversations, but sometimes in organisations and sometimes in churches, you can see people launching a rearguard action from a kind of rank and file place and you just go, yeah, I think that you're doing something that's really good, but the way that you're going about it is directly contrary to the way that God would have things be led. And so your strategy is dodgy, even though your intent is good. Um, and so I would just say that to you here. I'm not, I'm not in any way, like some of you go away and you just, if you do this, if you go away and you go, oh, so we can't say anything. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you can't say anything. I'm saying just keep a watch over your heart that you're not trying to bring something about through a method that God has not ordained for it to happen. Does that, is that making sense? All right. I am friends with someone who regularly talks to me this way. What should I do? I'm friends with a someone who slanders or someone who regularly speaks evil against brothers and sisters. What should I do? Well, let me tell you the thing that you shouldn't do. Don't complain about them complaining. All right? Don't don't join their team. Here's my suggestion about what I think you should do in that particular situation. Um, I think you need to be like super, 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 super careful. Um, and, and you just need to appreciate that these are really risky places to be in. Hebrews uh, 12.15 says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I'm sure you've seen it in your workplace, you've seen it probably in the church, that uh, people have this root of bitterness, they have this complaint, and they have this kind of murderous spirit, this judgmental spirit, and they get people on board with them. And you better believe that that's a really risky place to be in. If someone's got a murderous spirit, for you to be around them all the time is a dangerous place for you to be in. So what could you do? Well, let me give you 
a couple of things that I think you could do. Um, I think one of the things you would need to do is say to them that you don't really like talking about that stuff. Have a conversation with it, with them and say, look, I like being your friend, but I don't really like talking about that stuff and I don't want that to be part of our friendship and the way that we do our friendship. I think if they keep going, what do you do then? Well, I think you remind them of what you said and you say, listen, I, I don't want this to be part of our friendship. Can we just not, can we not talk about that? Um, what, what do you do if they keep going and they don't listen to you? Well, I think you just distance yourself from them. You know, Proverbs talks about the importance of guarding your heart. You know, and you just, you just better believe. And again, I am not against having honest, open conversations with people, but you get someone who's sitting as a judge and is condemning someone else and is trying to get you on side, you just better believe that's going to be a really powerful thing and you need to be really careful in that space and you need to be careful of your heart. All right. We're done. I'm done. Sorry, you're just about to start, hopefully. That's what I'd like to see happen. Um, you, know, you know what I want to do? I'd, I'd love for the worship team to come up. And uh, they're just going to provide a bit of fill uh, music. And then I'd love for you to do something. Um, I'd love for you to do something for me and for the church and for our culture. And what, you know what I'd love for you to do? I would love for you to go and speak life to someone. You know, like go back to what I was talking about earlier about how rather than setting ourselves up as judge and, and, and trying to influence someone's destiny and kind of lock them away in a cell, let's be people who speak life to other people where we just go, I can see what you're doing and, and you are... You are a child of God and I can see your giftings and you just get after it. Get after it, man. Get after it. This is the kind of things. Now, I could say this about you. Corporately. Let me give you a couple. There is no limit to what you could do. Project Church. Because the Lord is with you. And you don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't give in to fear or anxiety. You get after the things that God wants you to get after. Nothing can stop you. No one will ultimately stand against you. The church of God, Jesus says, will prevail against the gates of hell. And that is you. You are gifted. Every single one of you is gifted. The Spirit gives a gift to you. And you might not meant to faff around doing other things. You don't leave your sword in its sheath. You get it out. And you run headlong into the battle. That's what you do. That's you. All of you. I could keep going. You see, we just, we just... I'm backing you. (laughs) I'm backing you to do the things that God's called us as a church to do.